Hey, this is Matt Hawkins from Top Cow, and you're listening to the Top 5 Comics Podcast. Welcome to Top 5 Comics Podcast, people talking about comics, pop culture, and events. With us today, we have the Master of Disaster, Josh45. Hello. And we have the second suitor, Mr. Tyler Brown. Well, hello there. And I'm CBS. The Island Boy. <laughs> I guess so. What's with this Island Boy stuff? Uh, I was just reading an article about how they, uh, they're they broke now. Oh, of course they are. Well, I mean, I didn't know that they had money to begin with. Right, I thought yeah. it was fake. So. That's true, yeah. I don't know. What, I didn't know they, they made money in the first place. <laughs> Internet's full of all kinds of things. <laughs> It's like watching a car wreck. Silly things. And then when you get close to it, you just like can't look away, but you want to. That's how those guys are to me. <laughs> they're ridiculous looking nuts for sure. They really are. And they're so young and they look that weird. You know, like on purpose. Yeah. With their teeth things and they're like, yeah, I don't and understand. The, the face tattoos, man. The face yeah, tattoos. Yeah, it's just like, man. When did that become a trend? Like, man. Mm. Yeah. No idea. I mean, but I guess if I was post Malone, you know, and I knew I was set for the rest of my life, you know, I'd made, you know, millions and millions and millions of dollars, you know, yeah, sure. Yeah, those before that, though. That's true. You're right. He mm-hmm. did. You're he right. started with it. He came legit. You're right. I don't know if I would. I mean, I don't think I have anything that important in my life that I'd want to put on my face, to be fair. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. See, today we're doing episode number 190. <laughs> And the books we're going to be going over is uh, Punisher War Journal, Blitz, number one, from Marvel Comics, Do a Powerbomb, number one, from Image Comics, and Black Adam, number one, from DC Comics. Then after that, we have an interview uh, from WonderCon 2022 with uh, Sean Cheeks Galloway, a fantastic artist, does a lot of cover art, does a lot of interior art, does a lot of video game design. Really? Oh, yeah, he's great. Cheeks, is that his middle name, or is that like a nickname? It's a nickname. Nice. Actually, we get the answer to what Cheeks came I was going to ask. In yeah. the interview. Nice. So, Very cool. Stick around for that. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I wanted myself to. Sure, yeah. That's so. the first thing I thought. I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. So we'll run that after we do the books. Uh, before all that, we're going to do a little bit of news. What's in the news? What's in the news? What's in the news? You want me to start off? Do it. All right. So Ozzy Osbourne is set to make his Comic-Con debut at San Diego here in about a week. Uh, it'll be his first appearance since he had his back and neck surgery. So it's been his first appearance since, like, September or something. Um, but he is uh, set to make his appearance with uh, Mr. Todd McFarlane. Uh, Todd has directed the most recent video for Ozzy's new album. Uh, the song is uh, Patient Number 9. I heard it the other day on the on the Spotify. It's not bad. It it sounds a lot like older Ozzy. I was sure. I was surprised at how like uh not retro but like vintage it sounded. It sounded like old old Ozzy. I was I was impressed. Yeah. Well the music video is directed by Mr. Todd McFarlane, so uh it has a lot of toddities in there in animation. Um but uh the two of them are gonna be debuting the cover to a limited series of comic books based on Ozzy Osbourne, I guess, or Ozzy Osbourne comic books. Which hmm. I guess the idea is that in some of the packaging for buying the album, I guess it's going to come with them randomly, I guess. is what they made it sound like, so it's a very limited thing, but they're going to be debuting the cover at Comic-Con as a duo project. So, to what end, I'm not entirely sure, other than it being super limited and being something that's uh, 
chasey version of things. That would be a cool project to do those square vinyls on, too. Oh, yeah, the flex vinyls? Flex vinyls, yeah, because yeah, yeah. those were chasey and very popular, too, right? If it winds up being a series of things, I don't see why you wouldn't, but I don't I don't think it's for comic book series. It made it sound like it was a one-shot kind of thing, but I, okay. I guess I don't. there wasn't enough about what the book actually was other than they were debuting what the imagery was going to be, so I assume maybe the panel might be for that. Um, I guess he's also going to be doing, Ozzy's going to be doing a signing at one of the... Uh, panels down there for nice. something else so nice. or one of the sorry one of the booths down there which i also different so yeah interesting um as far as the thing i mean i watched part of the video today it's uh, i don't know uh, it's uh, it's okay are we ever going to get the uh, mcfarland spawn project you think you know at some point i'd be surprised if it didn't happen but time in the world like what he wants to do and what the cost he wants to do it at i i think part of it is that Industry-wise, industry is too afraid to invest that kind of money, or it doesn't have the belief to invest that kind of money. Mm-hmm. And Todd wants to do a bunch of things that are particular, mm-hmm. which, I mean, there's not a reason for him not to, I guess. Right. But uh, at the end of the day, he wants to direct it a certain way and do it a certain In way. In his way, yeah. He wants to be the director. Yeah, yeah, his way of the highway. So, as a thing, I think that's what stopped the uh, initial talk back whenever Jamie Foxx was originally cast like three years ago. Yeah, that was a while ago, yeah. And so, I don't... I mean, part of that time in the world is covid so, I mean, for all, for all we know, the Jamie Foxx thing is still a thing. And as far as time in the world, like, after number 300 came out, like, he focused a little more on the comic books. And now we went from having just one Spawn book to having four different titles. I was going to say, he launched a bunch of new ones recently, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that Are they popular? Be, I, they do well at our store. I mean, what I've heard from other stores is that it seems like they uh, initially sparked real good, and then they've had waning to them. Mm. But, I mean, it all depends on where you're at, I guess. And I wouldn't have said we were a very strong spawn store in the first place. And now sure, I feel like we have 12 guys getting different spawn books. Wow. So, like, for us, that's pretty good. I mean, yeah. being being as situational as we are, when before we was ordering, like, three copies of regular spawn. Sure. And that was it. Now we order a lot more of regular spawn, too. But the other books are running stronger. Yeah, 12 books? That's, that's pretty so, darn good. Yeah, as a thing, I mean, I, I would say it's doing okay, but as far as the series are concerned, I don't know if that's all part of the same, you know, multiverse build just be to have more push in the world, maybe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. As far as the thing, most of them are pretty good. I mean, I've read at least half a Gunslinger, and it's not bad. King Spawn, I don't totally understand where it picks up in, only because I quit reading Spawn for quite a while. Um, but I mean, the stuff I read from it seems okay. I, I mean, I like it. It's okay. Scorched I like a lot, but it's because multiverse. And like I like multiple versions of different characters. Okay. So like I didn't know that one was all of them. Yeah, it's that's a, cool. It's a girl spawn or lady spawn, regular spawn, king spawn. Oh hey, not king, sorry, gunslinger, gunslinger spawn. There's like three other ones. Yeah. So like as far as characters, I don't know. I guess I, I like the the idea of it. It's a lot like other than not being like funny like Deadpool was, the Deadpool core is a lot like that. Okay. Anyway, yeah, as far as reading, you read them all separately without each other, and they do fine. So, I mean, at some point, I'm sure there'll be a crossover, but at least at this point, if you want to pick up one, you could read one without reading the others. Hmm. Anyway, that's what I got about Ozzy Osbourne. Nice. So, um, neat, I guess. I guess yeah. We'll see. I mean, Kiss... At least two of the guys from Kiss make appearances pretty regular at Comic-Con, so, I mean, why not? Yeah. Who's next? I'll go next. Batman the Dark Knight number one original cover art was auctioned for $2.4 million. This is as of uh, June 21st. Um, according to IGN, uh, the cover art for the first issue of Frank Miller's Batman the Dark Knight Rises, 
or Dark Knight Returns, excuse me, sold for $2.5 million Thursday heritage auction sale, making it the most expensive mainstream American comic book cover art sold publicly. Wow. It's incredible. No, it's crazy. So I have a fun story. Um, hmm. <clears throat> when I got married, all my groomsmen, I got them, um, issue number one of, you know, their, their, well, excuse me, their, their birthday month, um, of their favorite comic book character. So one of my buddies like Flash, and he was born in 85 in September. So I got him that, blah, blah, blah. I got all these and they were all like, you know, two bucks, three bucks, you know, four bucks. And I was like, Oh, I better get mine. Mine's Frank Miller's Dark Knight, February oh, 1986. Man. I was like, yeah, I'm not paying eighty dollars for that. I, 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 I don't. I, I mean, it would look great on my wall, but I was like, mm, yeah, I'll just take care of the grooms when you call it. Right, right. Yeah, different thing in the world now. Probably the chase is on right now for stuff. Oh, I'm crazy. sure. Yeah. So what? So what now? I got all my groomsmen. I know. So like yours, yours? mine's, mine's, mine's the Dark Knight Returns. Oh, right, so February 1986. So Batman for a birth year. Mm-hmm. So. The number, like number one, like correct the first, the first, yeah. It, it just happened to be. I don't know. I, I believe it's number one. It's the one that's all blue with the lightning in the background. Oh, and that's he's, number yeah, one. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Seasonor. Si, um, from er- Black Panther to Wakanda Forever early merchandise release leaks. Um, show Ironheart is a main player in this movie. Oh, okay. Really? Yeah. I mean, they've been working on the new, the Young Avengers periodically, so I have an Ironheart would be. I expected we'd get the show before we'd see Ironheart in 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 uh in anything else, honestly. Yeah, I would have thought so too. Yeah, but well, as far yeah. as appearances are concerned, I guess. Supposedly it was supposed to be appearances by a bunch of other, like several other new characters in the MCU as well. That's cool. They didn't. Um, you know how like online photos of like leaks of. Um, or like if they release action figures too early, like oh, right. it ruins movies yeah, like, yeah. multiple times. It's happened. Force Luke, Luke before the movie had come mm. out. Yeah, yeah, well, multiple times. That's the yeah. easiest one to aim at because couple weeks yeah. of what it is and how how obvious what it meant was. Yeah, I don't know. That's a it's it's not. I would say it's a common thing to have happen, but that's interesting. Um, so Marvel's uh, let's stick with movie stuff, I guess. Okay. So Marvel's. Either officially put in the first or the second mutant into the MCU. Now, if you want to say the Ursa from Black Widow, he claims to be the first. He, the actor does, yes. Who um, Ursa? He was the guy who turned into a bear or said he, that his character was Ursa. He's named Ursa in the uh, so in the prison. Whenever, he's in the prison, yeah. Before they break out David Harbor, um, father, right, right, right. the guy he's arm wrestling, he breaks the arm of. In theory, it could be Ursa, mm-hmm. the bear. Um, but the one that at this point is standing as the first, if Ursa isn't true, uh, is Miss Marvel, Kamala Khan. So according to the end of her, so this is a major spoiler. I, I haven't, think, I I haven't watched, I show. haven't watched, uh, it doesn't kill the, sh- it doesn't kill the show. Is it good? It's okay. The show's terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. It's okay. It's, I built, hear it, it's built for kids. I hear it's a kid show. Yeah, I hear yeah. it's a kid show. It's really bad. Is it? It's hard to watch. So the, the end catch, Again, doesn't really spoil the story, but at the end of the movie or the TV series, there's a point where her uh, her best friend guy Bruno um, tells her after reviewing her blood that her blood has mutation in it, making her a mutant. And you say, well, that just seems like general talk. But then in the background, in the audio music, has files of 
the X-Men theme song from the animated series that plays inside it when he says it. So, the background music, along with his words, tell us that Kamala Khan is actually so it plays mutant. the X-Men theme song? It does. Inside the music in the background. It's what do you mean, inside there. the music it's in the background? It's mixed into what's already happening. They already have, like, uh, music happening. Like, uh-huh. uh, oh, big reveal stuff, whatever music. Then that plays into it. So it's mixed in with it. Mm. So the two things are layered in with each other. That's anticlimactic. I mean, I don't like that at all. It's being that she's not a mutant in the comic books. It's so aggravating. But as a thing, I mean, I, I guess we'll see if it goes farther. Where does she get her powers in the comic books? I don't know so that much about her. In the comic books, she's an inhuman. Mm-hmm. And so she gets affected by the Terrigen Mist and it transforms her. So she, her abilities is that she's an inhuman. In the, in the show, that's very different. Um, the show, if the mutant thing is true, then means that the wristband that she gets put on, um, which they have a name for it, I can't remember the name of it, behaves a lot like Genesis Val's braces, bracelets did whenever he would wear it and uh, Captain Marvel wore it and they trade places with Rick Jones. In the comic books, her powers is that she can stretch and she can shape change based on stretching, just like Mr. Fantastic could. If he put his right, mind to right, it, he could make right. himself look like whoever. Right. So that's what her powers really are. And when they first on set at one point, she transforms into Miss Marvel, Carol, and she winds up looking like Carol and freaks out because she doesn't know why she looks like Carol, and it's a whole thing. Anyway, there's a scene that's similar to that, but is not the same in the show as well, so it harkens back to the comic appearance, but it isn't the same thing. And uh, in the show, they basically make her from a different reality, well, not from a different reality, they make her from the... uh, it's another place, like uh, not the negative zone, but oh man, this is the negative zone. I don't remember what the name of the place is. I think it's the negative zone. But they make her a genie or a jinn, uh, or part of the clandestine, which is another sect of Marvel characters I know very little about because clandestine hasn't mattered even more than the Eternals. So, as a thing, like what she is in the comics and what she is in the show are two different things entirely. Did you just say she's a show in the show? She's a genie. Uh, yes. I'm not watching the show. <laughs> it doesn't work like that type of genie. Still. Right, it's just the power. Yeah, what, is, what did you say before? Gen, gen. Clandestine. Yeah, well, no, the other the other word. Gen. Gen, gen yeah. Gen, yeah. Gen, gen. Yeah. So, like, the way the powers work in the show, the, the, the gauntlet thing she puts on mm-hmm. connects her to this um, ancient history and... Allows her to create crystal things that would make her have like fake big hands or let her run around on pedestals and jumping off them like she can run in the air and stuff. So, I mean, it's neat power, but it's not anywhere like what her combo power is. So, it's entirely different. But, I mean, as a thing. Great job, CBS. You ruined the show for me. Hey, it wasn't, I wasn't trying to. No, I'm, <laughs> I wasn't trying to. I'm not, I, I was interested, and now that you've explained more, I'm like, mm, I you think know, I'm good. You know, just listen to me. It irons out. No, I, I would have, but this is the first <laughs> time we've talked about it, to be fair. This is the first time we've talked about it. I, I would have listened. It irons out better than that, and it is, it is high school kid stuff happening, so it is built for a different demographic of audience. Do you like Degrassi? Degrassi. The TV show Degrassi? I've never seen that. Okay. It's worse than that. <laughs> and Degrassi, like, Jay and Silent Bob liked it enough to do, like, a Jay and Silent Bob commentary version of Degrassi. Mm-hmm. It's like a Canadian, like, Saved by the Bell, hey. like, in the late, in the early 2000s. Something like that, yeah. Hmm. It was a thing. That's all I got about that, so, I mean, there you go. Boo. Yeah. 
Uh, Dr. Doom MCU project may have been leaked accidentally by Howard Stern. Dr. Doom what? Dr. Doom MCU, did I say CMU? <laughs> MCU project may have been accidentally leaked by Howard Stern. So on a hot mic, when he was going from what he was talking, whomever he was talking to on his show on Sirius XM or whatever he's on now, they went to commercial and he was still talking. This is what he said. He said they're going to have this. Oh, sorry, I told you. Uh, they're going to. They're going over the schedule with me, and it's going to suck. Stern was here saying, "I told you, I'm going to do Doctor Doom. That's the thing. But believe me, I, I'm not really happy about it. I called Robert Downey Jr. and was asking him about acting techniques. I mean, that's interesting. I I I I can play the audio for you guys if you want. No, that's all right. Okay. I don't. Huh. That's uh. I don't think he's going to be Doctor Doom. No, no, no. But he's yeah. he he's saying that he whatever the project is, that's the project he's supposed to correct. Be on. He's supposed to be on. Yes. Okay. Interesting. Keeping along with movie news. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. So Marvel producer Richie Palmer confirms that in Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, the Illuminati that we see die in that one specific realm is not the main Illuminati. And that's all he said. That's that's fine with me. That, that makes he, sense. He basically is just alluding to the fact that the Illuminati exists in the main universe. Sure, yeah. I mean, they could exist in however many multiverses that there are, yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, like, the Illuminati does exist in like in the current right. MCU. And, right. What, it, what he's basically saying, it exists in the MCU as well. He's, okay. like, telling people that. I'm okay with that. So that means that, like, we'll probably... We're going to see a Reed Richards, because they've already confirmed a, a Fantastic Four, but... We don't know if it's um, Krasinski. Krasinski or not. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I think there was a positive enough reaction to him that I I, I hope that they do that. Yeah, I'd like to see that. But it'll be interesting to see where it shakes out as far as things. Um, so let's see, comic book wise. So uh, Valiant Comics will be uh, releasing their first Bloodshot mature reader series, so a more adult series. Um, it's going to be called Bloodshot Unleashed. Uh, it's expected to be out in September this year. Uh, the story will follow Bloodshot as he hunts down uh, basically back to other people like himself. Um, experiments that at this point have decided to use their powers to cause suffering and take advantage of the American people. And uh, so he's going to be hunting them down. And uh, the way this story is, the writer writes it saying that each issue will be Standalone, so each story will be a contained story in each book. Whatever problem he's dealing with, whether it's superpowers or whether it's uh, twisted psychopaths or whether it's uh, other heightened people like him, uh, apparently the way the story is going to be designed is that each issue will be a single issue adventure and then move forward to the next issue. I so, I liked Bloodshot. I used to. I, I still have a bunch, but I, the film was god awful. Like. I didn't hate the film, but Whew, man, really, dude, yeah, it's all right. It's I cannot, t- I cannot take your nonsense. Tonight. Have you even watched Bloodshot? Yes, it's, I have. It, okay, it's pretty bad. It is everything that I'm like. That's terrible. You're like, eh, I didn't mind it. Oh, but, I didn't. Then, but then we talk about something else. You're like, that was the worst thing I've ever seen. And I'm like, are you kidding me? That's what you think is terrible? I don't feel like I say that, but as far as things, I mean, I, I do get a different perception of things. You had not as you, you had not as not a single like it was very. I'll say this: it was very, very, very difficult for you to say anything positive about the new Thor movie. I haven't seen it yet. 
That's not, that's not true. You're like, they said uh, there's plenty of things in there that are good. Uh, like you were just you were really reaching. It's like wringing out a towel yeah. that like has already been wrung out. That's not true. <laughs> the, the movie's not bad. Like it has pieces that drive me nuts, just like other ones. Sure. And when I was trying not to spoil things for you, because I, that's how I work. Because you asked me not to. That makes it tie his hands just, a little bit. I just, I just asked how was it. And it I said it was okay. I said it was fine. Which is my answer for almost everything. Yes, it is. Yeah, so, that's I mean, the thing. We, we need to get you a th- it was, it thesaurus. Was bad. I would have said it was bad. I never said it was bad. I know. It's not. But we need to get you a thesaurus so you can learn some more adjectives. Mm. That's all. They always feel wasted when they're used frivolously. <laughs> 100%. Everything can't be spectacular and fantastic. You're right. Because You're right. Then, they're, then they don't matter. It's not all puppies. I don't think puppies. I've ever heard you say anything spectacular or fantastic, though. That's right. Because it's wasted if you do it. <laughs> That's so you're, just ne- so you're just never going to say it? Oh, I've said it plenty of times. It's fine. Plenty of times. Mostly about books in the store, depending on what book it is. It's fine. Like Noctera, it's fantastic. He Which does one? say fantastic. He does say fantastic. Which one? Noctera. Oh, that is. Comic book series. Obviously. Right. You just said that. Tony Daniels, Scott Snyder. Where are we? Who's next? You're next. Perfect. Uh, Black Adam villain first toy was revealed. Apparently the villain is Sabak. I'll show you guys a picture. I don't know who that is, but that's what he looks like. Kind of a red, devilish huh. dude. You know, I'm not super familiar with the past for Black Adam, so that character doesn't mean anything to me, really. I'm not either, but another toy that leaked into movies. Right, right. No, no, I'm with you. I mean, he looks, he looks cool. Kind of like uh, Mephisto, but The not. Doctor Fate figure looks like it doesn't have eye holes. It doesn't. I, that's what's interesting. It, when I, I wasn't sure when I watched the Yeah, the tra- trailer. I, I thought the same thing in the trailer, it, it, which I thought was weird, but there's so many versions of that helmet. Like it, They all it, have eyes, though. It, it, no, I think he has one eye. There's one, um, one side of it that has an eye hole, and the other one doesn't, if I remember correctly, at huh. least in the trailer. Because I thought, I thought the same thing. I was like, that doesn't have eye holes. But huh. I think it has one. I guess I didn't really notice, but yeah, most of the ones I'm familiar with also have have highs in the comics. At right? Least. Huh. All right. That's interesting. Josh, you're up. Um, Sylvester Stallone is going to be playing um a superhero in a new show called Samaritan, and it's not. I don't think it's the Samaritan from. You're totally right. It doesn't have eye holes. I'm so sorry. Yeah, Astro City. I don't think it's that oh, Samaritan. Right, right. Um, but it is a character called Samaritan who's retired. It has like a dent on that yeah, side. Yeah, like a dent on one side. That's but uh, I guess he's a retired superhero that like some kid like that disappears after something terrible happens. Kind of um, similar to maybe like Kingdom Come Superman goes into retirement and like disappears. But this one he like does it secretly and some kid finds out that that's who it is and like kind of pulls him out of retirement. It sounds cool. It's going to be on Amazon Prime though. I think that's a comic book too. I don't remember it being called Samaritan. It's, yeah, that, well, that's a bazillion comic books. Right. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that story true. is like a bazillion that's times true. has been done. So that's true. Hmm. Interesting. You said what's well, on Amazon? Yeah, it's going to be on Amazon. <laughs> cool. There's supposed to be some new. Gosh, I didn't take notes on this because I figured we either talked about it or one of you guys would. Um. Well, what's his name from uh, from Loki? Not Tom Hiddleston. With a broken nose, funny one. His brother is awesome. Wilson. Owen Wilson. He's supposed to be playing a superhero character in some offshoot movie that's not connected to anything. Uh, called like, oh gosh, Fort. No, I can't remember the name of it. It's like a base name or something. Anyway, the 
And a couple pictures showed of him in like what looks like a super superhero, like an Iron Man style suit. But it's Owen Wilson's head, so it looks photoshopped weird. Anyway, I didn't take any notes about it, so I guess... Secret headquarters. There you go, mm. secret headquarters. So, I mean, that's a thing. Kind of lined up with the... Kind of lined up with the stuff of Stallone. Hmm. You got another piece of news there, Tyler Brown? I got two more. Uh, I just want to point out that Chadwick Boseman um, did get nominated for an Emmy. Emmy, excuse me. Um, post... I can never say this word. Post... post humo- Posthumously... I can't say that word. Posthumously? Is that how you say it? There's only one T, though. Posthumously? Thank you. Post. I can't say it very Posthumously. well. Posthumously? Posthumously. Uh, for an Emmy for um, What If. I thought that was kind of cool, because we talked about that, and that was one episode I remember all of us really, really enjoying. Oh, yeah. Um, him, great. Him being Star-Lord. So. I think the S from Post goes into the T-H, so Posthumously. Posthumously. Okay. I think one solid word. It's not okay. Post, like, and then... It's like okay. I think that's how it's pronounced. It's how it's always. I've always heard it. No, I believe you. Yeah, yeah. I'm not an English major by any means. You got anything else over there, Josh? Um, that's all. Okay. All right. Well, I got I got two more little things. Um, one of them. So, Moon Knight Annual Number One for the 2002 series. So the current Moon Knight series. He's going to feature re- a reunion between uh, Moon Knight and Jack Russell, so they were off by night. Nice. So 2002 series, 2022 series? 2022. You said 2002. Yeah, I meant 2022. I, I, I was like, that's... No, no, okay. yeah. that's yeah. no, no, yeah, 2022, so the current series. Uh, it's going to come out in October, which makes sense, considering. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's supposed well, the to, Werewolf by Night show is in October, too, right? Yeah. Perfect. That and Halloween, so all those things like right. go together. Right. Uh, this is still being written by Jeb McKay. He's currently writing the series, and uh, Frederico... Uh, Santini's going to be doing the art for it, so it'll look good. But yeah, the one shot's going to see the two of them reunite as a as a thing, uh, which I think is cool. Like like you said, because the show is happening, and of course, I mean, Halloween and werewolves and storyline supposed to be something about the werewolf by night trying to free himself and his people from the moon god, but uh, we'll bring him into direct conflict with Conchu because he needs blood from the moon god, and Moon Knight doesn't bleed easy. That's true. So it'll be a uh, it should be a pretty fun story so far. The uh, Moon Knight series has been cool. It's been dealing with vampires and all kinds of other weird things, mostly vampires. But it's been it's been pretty cool. So I say watch for that thing. It's it's a one shot. So and being it's an annual, chances are it won't get reprinted. But uh, it'll probably be collected in whatever volumes coming out, like volume three probably of the uh, Moon Knight series. That's all I have about that. Nice. Um, have you heard about Batman One Bad Day coming out? The titling makes sense to me for some reason. So Batman One Bad Day got a trailer the other day from DC. Um, apparently there is supposed to be six or seven. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's the anthology. Each yeah, book like is about a different 64 pages mm-hmm. each book, and each one is about a different villain. I think the first one's Tom King. The ter- first one is Tom King, and it's Riddler, yep. um, and it's due out in August. So um, Riddler, Two-Face, Penguin, Mr. Freeze, Catwoman, Bane, Clayface, and Raj al Ghul, or Rage, depending on... Which one you believe is the right one? Right. Um, really cool. Um, that they, I think this project is super smart, and um, I think it's going to sell a ton of books. And I, I just wanted to uh, shout, shout, shout out that. Uh, that no, book, yeah. it should be cool. I mean, when it comes to many series, or one shots. I mean, Tom King, he got a flack for his Batman series, but I don't necessarily think that's his. The fault. Riddler War, because Bane War, Bane War, that's yeah. right, Bane War. I liked Bane War. I thought it was fine. I think the releasing of it. I mean, it could have been an issue shorter. And I think the editing staff having changed hands is what caused 
the general fallback on that guy. I think reading in a group probably sits better than it does reading individual month to month. And being that came right after, so we had City of Bane and Bane War, which it makes sense because we're dealing with Bane the entire time. But I almost feel like people reading month to month to month got tired of Bane. Sure, that's it is long. Right. It's long. Didn't make it bad, I don't think. But as far as like stories are concerned, uh, I feel like Tom King generally pulls off things really well. I mean, his vision was great uh, for Marvel. Batman Catwoman just wrapped up, and it's good. His uh, current bad time, or uh, killing t- time, time to kill, no, kill, killing time, killing time, has been good. Um, and the Mister Miracle he did was good. Yeah, Tom King's great. So like yes. he's yeah he's he's good. I didn't see it. I didn't. <clears throat> excuse me. I didn't read through the whole article. I just I didn't. You know what? I'll pull the article and go. Hey, keep going. And that's all I really had about. I mean, I, I remember the, the series you're talking about. But I think so far the only one they've really had uh, stores order has been the Riddler ones. Because so. it comes out in August, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Tom King and Mitch Gerdes for the, um, are for the Riddler. Mitch Gerads. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's Mitch Gerads. Okay. It's hard to, to looking at it. Doesn't look right. Mariko Tamiki and Javier Fernandez uh, team up for Two Face. Then we have John Ridley and oh man. Giuseppe Camacoli? I think it's Giuseppe Camacoli. Giuseppe Camacoli. Mm-hmm. They have the penguin. Um, then you have Matteo Scalera. Scalera. Mm-hmm. And Gary Dugan. They have Mr. Freeze. Um, and then we have G. Willow Wilson and Jamie McLeavy have, McKelvey. Mm-hmm. have Catwoman. Um, so it's all good names and all good writers. I mean, Mariko Tamaki is awesome. J- uh, Matteo Scalera has actually been on the show. Uh, yeah, I was going to say. Mm-hmm. Um, Joshua Williamson and Howard Porter are doing Bane, and and then you have uh, Colin Kelly and Jackson Lansing. Oh, and Zermonico. We did we did uh, his art in. Oh man, I'm not going to remember the name of the book. Man, I'm not going to remember. I'll look it up. Um, they're doing Clayface. I have to look that up because it's going to bug me because I remember that name specifically. But right. yeah, I'm super excited for this project. I'm. I'm always down for one shots. I'm always down for anthology books, and especially when they're going to be, like I said, I think each one's like 64 pages. So right. Yeah, they're full treatments. So like, it should be really cool, just because it's a the connected series isn't connected. So like, story wise, they're not going to lead to each other. They're part of the same anthology series. So everything's going to be number one, which is kind of aggravating, but at the same time, they sit with each other just fine. I think. So he's doing a lot. Zermanico. I think that's how you say it, yeah. He's doing uh, the Flashpoint stuff, the new Flashpoint stuff, uh, some of the new Justice League uh, Superman, the new Superman with uh, Jonathan. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so. The Dark Crisis stuff. Correct. I think he's got a variant cover for issue, well, no, actually, he's got a couple variant covers. Uh, issue two, he's got a Poison Ivy, I think. Poison Ivy and Swamp Thing, it's a mixed cover. Anyway, good stuff. Did Swamp Thing show up in that new Poison Ivy, like we um, said? Not yet. Okay. Uh, I, I have to assume that he will, but not yet. So, uh, last little bit of news I had. So, Random House issued a uh, statement uh, that Marvel and IDW titles were going to be delayed for June 20th release, so next week. Uh, the uh, reason for delay is uh, it's unfortunately being delayed because of uh, severe thunderstorms uh, that have caused downing power lines and trees throughout Maryland and Pennsylvania. As it thunders outside. As it thunders yeah, outside. as it rains here. <laughs> as we record, we are in the airplane <laughs> hangar, and it is raining outside, so hopefully you guys can put up with it if it's too bad. I'm, I'm going to try to do what I can to edit it out, but if it sounds like we're in a hollow tube... It, you know, it's because we are. Because we are, yeah. Um, so because of the down trees and the power lines, uh, this has also infected the Hampstead facility, which Hampstead's where 
all of our Marvel and DC, or sorry, not DC, all of our Marvel and IDW comics are currently shipped from. So as a result, they can't ship anything because not only is power out in that particular facility, since according to the our, the notice today, since yesterday, but because of all the downed um, trees and things, the roads aren't mm-hmm. clear to do anything either. Yeah. So as far as delayed books, depending where you're at, some stores may actually get some of their delivery if they were out before this storm happened, but a majority of stores would not have their del- their deliveries on the correct date for next week, which for guys in the store that are listening to this episode now, I'm going to be going to Comic-Con in San Diego, and so if uh, stuff doesn't show up before I leave, you're going to be waiting two weeks. <laughs> right, I'm sorry. sorry about it. I'm sorry, but I can't. <laughs> I got to go to Comic-Con. I can't do anything about that, and we literally, I literally found out today at 2 oh, I'm sure, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. p.m., because the email showed up at 2 or 3 yeah, with the notice about, not about the books, the books notice I found out like an, two hours later, actually, which really? is way aggravating. <laughs> But the, you thought about the storm at two hundred three about the com- about the comic con. Oh, so actually, officially having a booth, I took a ticket. Ticket, so right. yeah. So that's a was an interesting batch of information all in one like couple of hours in the middle of the day. Because uh, not only will it's a good news bad news situation books, yeah, right, right there. Good like, news is you get to go to comic con. Like, the bad so, news is yeah, your books are going to be almost a week and a half. Old. Your livelihood it's, it's a jeopardy. It's pretty crazy. So like <laughs> what like, an I- what an industry, man. Right? What well, an in, what an industry. Like for people in Europe, like they're already weak behind because of late shipment from Random House to Diamond because Diamond handles all the overseas accounts because uh, they don't have an infrastructure over there for any of these other companies. They all thought they just take it on without trying and so now Diamond's just doing it for everybody. But as a result, the plane left without the books on it and so now they're going to be Possibly three weeks behind over there, huh. which I mean, I mean, whatever. That's eventually it'll catch up. And it's fine. The way of the world right now, yeah, but yeah. Like as a thing, it's just like wow, that's that's crazy. So you know, you get listen in Pennsylvania, Maryland. I'm like, hopefully, you guys are doing okay. Um, that's all I had for news. That's it, Mister Forty Five. Anything else over there? Yeah, one last piece of news. Let's, ah, I figured let's it. do it. Look at he looks excited. CBS is an island boy. <laughs> That's not news. That is news. That's news, to, news, news to the listener. You learning a new thing to say. That's not news. Oh, it's been around for a while. Oh, I don't doubt they have. Like, your crazy hair has been a thing for a minute. How you became infatuated with them, I don't understand. Yeah, that's a good question. You don't come from my planet. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is, they do look like aliens. If you don't know what they look like, I guess Google them. Yeah, Google the island boys. Or don't. Don't waste your time. I mean, that's the real thing. Don't, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. You guys see the new Beavis and Butthead, like, filter? No, I haven't. You like you know how they do that. Mm-hmm. That's funny. Huh. <laughs> I didn't see that. I do like Beavis and Butthead. I don't know. I, is there people out there who don't? I'm sure there are. That are like, oh, I mean, maybe if you're older they're than he- like 50. He- yeah, they're heathens. And they don't like fun. I mean, if you're like a boomer. <laughs> the boomer. You're a boomer. Don't like that Beavis and Butthead. That new movie's hilarious. I haven't watched it. I hear it. Yeah, I hear it. It's, it's good. so good. I'll have to watch it. I haven't seen Do America in a long time, so. Anyhow, so let's move on to books. All right, books. Sorry, CBS. Just to let you know, there will be spoilers. Uh, so first issue we're doing is uh, Punisher War Journal Blitz uh, is number one. So this guy is written by uh, Turan Grumbeck, and the art is by uh, Lan Medina. And uh, what's going on with the Punisher, like, at this point in the game... Over in the regular Punisher series, he's become the basically the leader of the hand, 
a lot like whenever Daredevil was leader of the hand, except uh, he's there because he's been given the revived version of his wife from the dead. So uh, in order to keep her alive and well, he has been enlisted by the hand to work and basically run them as a you know organization. And he changed his logo, and it was a big deal when it happened, and now we're just moving forward with I it. I forgot about that. Yeah. Is that in this? I didn't even notice. Well, the logo is the new logo. I didn't even notice. So, like, it's It the, is the new logo. Yeah. Hmm. Anyhow, so when the book first opens up, I mean, of course, there's a little write-up to sort of explain part of that. Um, but we open up in Ohio, and we have a giant explosion, and uh, we had a lot of voiceover going on throughout this whole book. Um, so it talks about, oh, two metric tons burning. and It's, uh, of course, Frank Castle in the hand taking out a bunch of organized crime and destroying all their properties, whether that be weapons or guns or drugs or whatever it is. And we have operations in Ohio, operations in Los Angeles, operations in New York. So Frank is just everywhere. Um, and as he goes, it leads a wake of death and destruction behind him. And, uh, you know, they find, a in New York, they find a bunch of people that were being kept in, uh, a giant shipping containers and, uh, he wants to know what to do with them. He's like, no matter what, we just gotta continue. Like, so Frank tells the, the other hand, the other, other hand ninjas that they gotta keep, keep moving forward because there's no moving backwards, which is, his constant struggle in life anyway. Uh, from there, we move to Minnesota, and he's currently after the Hank Hatemonger, who's the uh, main bad guy for this particular issue. And Hatemonger's been around for a minute. He's like classic racist, power-driven money man. Um, anyway, costume-wise, he's got some classic costumes that are pretty, you know, questionable. Uh, but that's who he's currently hunting. And uh, as this is going on, of course, we, we get to Minnesota, where he's at the headquarters of, uh, of the... Uh, Hate monger, and in the process of fighting these guys, there's a bunch of soldier types dressed up, and Frank talks about how they're really well, really well armed amateurs, and that that's the worst kind of amateur there is because they have the best weapons and they have the best guns and they're the most dangerous, but they don't have any clue what they're doing with it, so they just cause wanton death and destruction regardless of who they're aiming at. And about that time, we see a bunch of them get taken out, and after they've uh, eliminated all the remaining soldiers, they've got stacks of money on crates and pallets and boxes of machine guns everywhere. And Frank says, burn it all. Burn everything, but take the weapons. And uh, the foot ninja next to him says, yes, Lord Fist. Because now that he is the leader, they call him the Fist, because that's what he is. I like that. So as he's looking around, of course, we see the branding of the hate monger on these soldiers. And it just reminds Frank of things that he lived through. And we find out there's a couple guys still held up in the headquarters. And so we break in this door, and behind it we find uh, this TV... He's not an evangelist, because he's not a uh, religious folk or guy. He's like a, I don't know, a puppeteer for selling things online, and like he's currently working for Lord or working for uh, this group of uh, militants, the uh, hate mongers group. And so what he's been doing there is building videos to help recruit people. And uh, he takes in the lane into Frank with his, you know, talking to him about, oh, you're just like, you're no different than we are. You, you have your goal and your purpose, and you believe in your purpose, and we believe in our purpose too, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, eventually, uh, Frank, Frank gives him the, uh, the better end of his sword all the way through, and that takes care of our uh, TV uh, pulpit guy. And he turns to the cameraman, and the cameraman's like, I, I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I was just hired to do this stuff, and the, the hate monger's not here, man. You, you know he's not here, man. And so basically, Frank uses him to call the hate monger to give him a message in order to spare the guy's life. And uh, in the process of calling the hate monger, it gives Frank enough information on where the hate monger is to go after the hate monger. 
so we joined the hate monger from that directly after uh after our guy who uh, has been spared reports in about the Punisher being there and how the Punisher killed everyone, and at this point there's nothing left. Uh, it's all gone. And so we joined the hate monger a few hours later, sitting in his fancy fancy office with a crazy like, zebra print carpet and all his Nazi propaganda all over the walls and crazy swords and javelins and all of his hate mongering, blah, 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 rhetoric. And he's got a couple soldiers in there with him, and one of them's a female a blonde soldier, and she says, well, we should probably evacuate. And, uh, at this point, Mr. Castle, the, the Punisher has to know where we are. And he's like, ah, no, he's going to come regardless. Like, at this point, we're going to make a stand, and that's going to be the end of it. It's more wordy than that, but that's what he says. From there, we cut to... Actually, before he finishes that statement, he says something about the Punisher's come before. And then we jump back in time. And we joined Frank about ten years ago, and he's outside this village uh, somewhere in uh, in China. And as he's walking through the village, we see all these fields with bodies in it and dogs and people shot, people burned. And uh, as this is going on, Frank's uh, monologue continues. Like, he's monologues through this entire book. So we get a lot of his interpersonal thoughts of what's happening, what's happening at the time. And as he's talking about the horrors of war and how some men just want destruction and how Frank has a hard time living with that as a thing, which is what it, part of his whole drive is. He comes across this old woman who's in the process of digging a grave. And he's like, where are the others? Where are the women and children? She's like, you here to help us? And he says, yes. She's like, well, then you're too late. You're just too late. And she goes back to digging. Then we jump back to present time. We are now in Alaska, um, and we have come to this, I don't know, barn in the middle of nowhere with crazy fencing around it. All set up very uh, Waco style, except out in the snow. And uh, Frank's there with, of course, the hand. And uh, looking through a pair of binoculars, he sees you know a batch of dispatched hand soldiers, so ninjas, all tied up in barbed wire on these fences, being mauled by polar bears. That is awesome. It is so crazy. And there's a bunch of other people, like normal-looking people, all standing behind, like in a sort of a open area. And best he can tell, they're just regular, like civilians. And so the hand ninjas don't really know what to think of that. And Frank's like, no, I know what this is. This is all tactical tactics. It's a message. And uh, as they get closer and closer to the building, they wind up finding this red line drawn in the uh, snow. And it's a giant circle that isn't to indicate how when they're too close. And as soon as Frank goes over it, we see a sniper start shooting at the people in the in the front field area. In the the town. civilians. Yeah. And as he's taking those people out, of course, Frank initially realizes what they're there for. They're there for a body count. And to show Frank that he shouldn't be coming. And so, of course, that only leads Frank to, you know, go at, go at him more. And then eventually, as he realizes what's happening, he tells the hand ninjas he have, they have to get back. Everybody has to get back. And we see, uh, a shot of the, uh, hate monger as he's toasting himself to how brilliant he is. He's like, welcome to war, Frank Castle. Ha, huh, you coward. Because Frank decides to stop the snipers by getting back. And, uh, we go back in time again. We rejoin the old woman, bearing her, uh, I, I don't think they ever say it, but it's a male body, so it must be a son or, or a husband or something. And, uh, his inner monologue picks up again, he's like, she's got a point, I'm always too late. And, uh, it, like, all this dialogue inside his head is so great. It's just fantastic. Anyways, he's, here's, here's your point, here's, he find, finds another bar and it's got a bunch of people being held by some men with machine guns. He's like, finally, I can get to a point where I can do something. And he comes up behind this guy who's in the process of dumping gas onto the barn with the intent of bringing the people alive inside. And he comes up behind the dude, pulls out a knife, does quick work of the dude, leaves the body, goes after another guy, takes that dude out too. Eventually he's killed two or three soldiers. 
and he comes into the barn and he he tells him shush where are the others at and they point to it point out towards another area and he says there's some more down that way men with many guns and he tells them all to be very quiet and sneak out and so these were all other civilians that are in there you know and impoverished civilians from the farm and uh we cut back then to modern time again and here's Frank and his new logo and he picks up a rocket launcher and he's like there's a change of plans who are those people and uh one of his ninjas tells him that they're, they're just people civilians and farm crew we believe so they're not they're not soldiers they're bystanders and so Frank takes the rocket launcher we get a lot more um interpersonal monologue from him about guilt and making things happen and the benefits to having a swift hand. And uh, we turn around and we get a look at uh, him with the rocket launcher as he fires it at the sniper tower, which was a bell tower on top of the uh, the farmhouse thing that they're all held up in. And, uh, of course, that brings the bell down and it takes out the sniper lady and uh, that crushes down and kills a couple more of the soldiers. And then from there, Frank's like, silence, now we need to go. So the ringing bell creates all kinds of distraction. This is something that I thought was kind of cool, and it's a little hard to understand exactly what happens, but in the process of them charging the facility, which, again, is like a weird farmhouse built on a bunch of acreage with this bell tower and, like, a church. Well, outside of the church, there's this... I, I assume it's Mother Mary. And the statue itself, of course, has been shot a little bit. In the process of them charging the building, Frank pulls out this grenade, and he throws the grenade at the statue. And we find out that the grain itself is not... A normal grenade. It's a uh, it's a Hank Pym type grenade. He does mention it earlier. And when it blows up, of course, it makes the statue grow very, very large. In the process of it growing large, Frank jumps up on top of the uh, the hand and rides the hand up to take out the other gun turrets. Uh, something else he also went over while we were talking. The reason these particular snipers and uh, machine machine guns are so dangerous because they're full of bullets that are laced with adamantium, so they just destroy everything. And it's a brutal way to die, because the bullets themselves fragment and they cause all kind of destruction. Anyway, so he rides the statue up, it providing him not just, like, shielding, but a lift to get up to the top of this tower. He jumps in there and takes the dude out who was using the railgun and the, uh, uh, what do you call those with the spinning barrel in them? Minigun? Minigun, yeah. Takes that dude out, you know, pretty swift with a sword. Um, <laughs> legs and, like, throat. Takes out the next minigun and then draws attention, so he starts getting shot at by some other guys across the way. And some of the hand engines take them out. In the process of all this shooting, we see the statue just getting trashed now. And um, we see some ninjas die. We see some soldiers die. And eventually uh, we get down to the point where uh, there's not a whole lot of soldiers left. And the blonde lady we'd seen earlier that was directly commentating with uh, with the head the headmaster... She uh, she's out there in the field now, taking out ninjas right and left, and she blows up a couple things, blows up a helicopter, and then uh, we get a cut to the hate monger, and he's like, "It's a joke, war, war. This isn't the is, war is only the only the only story is what's from those who left behind. The winner tells the story. It doesn't matter what happens in the middle. And as he's watching these computer screens, you just see Frank coming, and you can tell that he's not real happy about the situation, but. Now we find out about how he got away from Frank Cancel once before, because we cut back in time again, and it says, says it then, and we see Frank leave the group of people that were in the first building to go to the second building that he was told about. The second building that supposedly had a bunch of men with guns, and in the process of that, we see a few guys step out of the herd of people that were inside the building being set, about to set on fire. One of them is the hate monger. He's got the gun at the back of the head of an older woman, which is keeping the, the people in the barn quiet. 
and him and two other soldiers come stepping out of the group, and out they walk. He turns around and looks back at the people in the bar, and he's like, well done, well done, everyone, and he tells them to stay quiet. Uh, from there, we cut back to our modern time, and now the statue's been just trashed. It's hands on the ground. Uh, Frank starts looking around, and he's like, something's wrong. Like They're not attacking the same way anymore. And we wind up seeing a couple guys put on gas masks. And about then, he's like, ah, oh, gunfire, something's not right. Well, we find from there that these men that put on the gas mask have decided to re- release a deadly poison and gas into the battlefield instead of just handling it like a normal soldier. So basically weapons of, uh, I guess you wouldn't call it mass destruction, but it's like Cyrano gas, same thing that happened to the guys in Vietnam, Bio- the yellow fever. Bio- yeah, biological, that's what I was looking for. <clears throat> so they start dumping gas, which is, you know, a very Nazi thing to do. And, of course, Frank realizes that's what's happening, and he sees a few of the hand ninjas, you know, getting gassed and dying pretty brutally. Uh, he's like, don't breathe, don't breathe. And he comes running through a doorway, which is full of gas, and he sees the lady, and she's in the process of getting ready to shoot him, right? She's got her mask on, and the two of them take the fight, and the whole time he's like, I can hold my breath, I have 30 seconds at best. If I inhale, it, it burns a little, and if I inhale too much, I'll die. And so in the process of, like, fighting her, he runs her through fully, takes her mask, puts her mask on, and leaves her there to burn in the gas poison on the ground. It's, I mean, it's, it's fairly brutal, but it's, uh, it's really kind of impressive. He stabs uh, her first, right? Oh, yeah, he runs her through with the sword, yeah, and he pulls her mask off, and he leaves her just there gasping on the ground, skin bubbling and throat and eyes burning. And from it's, there, it's he, gruesome, yeah. now he has her mask. And it turns out inside her mask is the comms to the hate monger. And the hate monger's like, he first is asking for her, and then he, then he hears Frank sort of choke for a second because he, he breathed some of the air. And the hate monger's like, Frank? Oh, Frank, that sounds like you. You're too late. And then we cut back to the past. And Frank did intendedly find the other barn, and he found the other guys with the guns. And we see him in the process of breaking a dude's neck. Um, but then he realizes that the barn he left has been set on fire. And he sees the helicopter fly away, and uh, in the process of that, all those people that were in the barn that he thought he saved, he didn't save. They become collateral damage anyway, because the hate monger burned them all alive, using them as his shield to escape. And about that time, he hears a guy behind him with a gun, and he says, this message is from the hate monger, and as the dude gets ready to shoot Frank, all of a sudden the back of his head explodes and his eyeballs come flying out. It's pretty gross. Um, well, it turns out the old lady from earlier has collected herself a shotgun, and she came along and saved Frank from that guy. Um, and then we see the Havemonger fly away in the helicopter, escaping and basically getting what he wants. And we get some more inner monologue of Frank talking about how it, it, it sometimes is too late for everyone. And uh, at this point, we were both too late, because he was too late to help her save her, her son, or whoever she was marrying. But she wasn't too late to save him. Now we cut back to the present, and Frank's in the process of going inside this uh, hollowed-out bunker area on the side of the hill. And as he comes through the the, uh, the doorway, we have him and the hate monger talking, mostly the hate monger. He's, like, trying to stall things, because he f- hears that Frank's choking, so he assumes that Frank's going to die. And in the process of Frank coming through the hallways, eventually he realizes the gas isn't here, and he doesn't have to worry about the gas anymore, so he sheds the mask. Frank gets to the door, and uh, about that time, the hate monger realizes he's been talking to nobody. Because when Frank talk- took off the mask, it took care of him talking to him at all. And uh, Frank, he's like, ah. Oh. As Frank comes in the door, he's like, ah, oh, I was hoping you were dead outside. And Hate Monger sits down, he pours himself a drink, and continues to go on about war stories and three men grant each other wishes. And the three men story is actually kind of cool. So these three men, um, in the parable he decides to tell Frank, 
they each man got one wish, and each of them was guaranteed that, guaranteed for the wish to happen. The first man, he wished for wisdom. He wanted to understand the great mysteries of the world, and then he went mad from knowing the, all the mysteries of the world. Within weeks, he went mad. The second one asked for freedom. He wanted to live by his own, for his own fist, his own will, and he starved to death bef- before he got thirsty. And the fourth man, he wanted to, he asked for war, because he wanted to feel something. He wanted to feel alive before he died. And he wanted to feel life, and he wanted to feel glory, and he wanted to feel honor. So the man asked for war, got everything he wanted, and even though him and his, he had to watch his brothers die, uh, he wound up dying himself in a foxhole during war. So none of the three men got what they really wanted out of the situation. They all got what they asked for, but sometimes what you ask for is not what you want. Which is the point of the parable. Anyway, as he's pouring himself to drink, he drops a pill inside there because he's going to take himself a siesta by eating, drinking the poison and calling it a day. And he's like, Frank stops him. He says, oh, you wouldn't give a, you wouldn't begrudge me a gentleman's death. And Frank's like, "Mm, he should know me better than that. And next thing we see is the glass mounted on the ground and the haymonger's arm cut off because he cut the arm off that was holding the glass. He drags him outside. And you remember those polar bears from before? Uh Uh-huh. He throws him to the polar bears, arm half off, face bloodied, and that's the demise of the hate monger. So the lesson we all really learn is don't mess with Frank Castle. That's pretty much the real lesson. Um, anyway, that's where the book wraps. Uh, it's a miniseries. I want to say it's a six-part miniseries from what I remember. Um, it is running parallel to the regular uh, Frank or the regular Punisher series. So two things are happening at the same time, but they don't necessarily integrate with each other. Uh, read-wise, they don't, but they're all part of the same like thing going on. Uh, as far as like a score, I don't know. I give it a three and a half. I thought the, all the monologue and stuff for him was really good. It is really wordy. So there's a lot of, there's a lot going on in the description and dialogue as he talks and as he has his inner monologue running the whole time. So like, I felt like most of that was put together really well. And like, as far as like a brutal book, I mean, it sells brutality of war really well. I mean, that's what the Punisher's about. So, so I give it a three. I mean, the art's kind of simple. But I didn't hate it. I liked it just fine. Um, I feel like it gets things done. Like, when it gets to the polar bears, like, all that stuff is just so crazy. I never thought we'd get to the end of the book and be feeding the dude the polar bears. That's nuts. Uh, but yeah, that's why I got about it. I give it a three. Um, Mr. Brown, you, what do you think about the uh, Blitz? You said three or three and a half? I give it a three. I'm going to give it a three as well. Um, I did like it. I, I wasn't too sure about the going back and forth between now and... Um, his previous engagement with Hatemonger, and then I really enjoyed it once it paid off. Um, I thought it was, I, it, it's it's wordy for sure, but my problem is actually I would have given it a higher score with the um, with the inner monologue. It is very one word, two, three, oh, can't. Yeah. It goes through breathe, the book. Blah blah, and, and I just I I. I've never viewed Frank Castle like that, I guess. So I, I, I mean, I guess it's kind of a writer's decision, but, um, it, it is, it, the, the, the war stuff is fantastic. The art's really good. Um, that, that shotgun blast in the back of that guy's dome is, is worth every minute of, of, of everything that you see. And the polar bears. I love polar bears. So, um, yeah, I'll give, I'll give it a three for sure. 45? Uh, I'd give it like a one point seven five. I wasn't a fan of it. It was a, it was okay. Um, the violence is neat. I I just don't like the idea of him all of a sudden just being like, because he kind of they kind of make him like he's a ninja too. Kind of like he does some ninja. He does use a sword a lot. That's true. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. That's ever been a thing before that I know of, unless it's a very recent thing. It is like part of the uh, like I was saying earlier, part of his regular storyline. 
uh, in the Punisher storyline. Oh, I know that he be, I know, I, it gives you the, the read up at the beginning that he becomes right. like the, the fist. But I'm just like, eh, I, I, I don't know. And I wasn't the big fan of the art. I thought the, I, the art was kind of subpar to me. I wasn't a big fan of it. So, um, yeah. It was like, eh. it was a, yeah. All right. Uh, let's see what well, from there. You want to move on to do a powerbomb? So do a powerbomb number one from Image Comics. Um, written and drawn and created by Daniel Warren Johnson. Um, this book starts out with uh, somebody watching television. Um, it's an old timey TV up on a shelf, and behind it's like a bunch of skulls and books and candles and things. Uh, very occulty things in the background, and um. It's uh, some announcers, a guy named John Smash and Lucy Dragon, announcing um, a championship match versus U.S. Steel Rose and Cobra Sun. Um, and they're talking about um, the rivalry between these two wrestlers and how Steel Rose has the belt and they uh, are just huge fans of hers and how, how much they like her. And this is, um, this is a match that everybody's been waiting for for a while. And then it, it flashes to uh, Steel Rose in the locker room and her husband walks in and... Uh, as he walks behind her and gives her a hug and, and she's excited to see him and she asks, Hey, is Lona here? Um, Lona's her, the daughter and, uh, she runs in and gives her a hug too. And she's like, come here, baby. Um, and she's like, well, mom, what's the matter? She's like, Oh, nothing's wrong. I'm just, I'm fighting for you and I'm doing what I love and it feels great. And she, and the little girl's like, okay. And then, uh, somebody else walks in, a guy named Uncle Blood, which you'll find out that he's like the trainer guy. And, uh, he's like, hey, kiddo, I got us some seats right up, right up by the ring. And, uh, and she, and Steel Rose says, okay, Lona, go, go with Uncle Blood, cause your dad has to work late. And, and then somebody's like, all right, uh, you're on in 30, so we gotta get going. And it's like, they do the, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the main event. And they do the introductions. And, uh, she comes out charging, and, like, the crowd goes nuts. And, uh, everybody's screaming, and she holds up the belt. And, uh, every, the, and the whole crowd goes nuts, and the, the announcer guy comes up to her and gives her the gives her the microphone and um in classic wrestling um professional wrestling style she like comes out to get to you know when when you're the when you're the good guy um you always do like a hype to get the crowd hyped and get them on your side right and she's like wrestling was my life getting the belt was my life i wanted the glory and the fame but then i became a mother and now i don't fight for a belt i fight for my family and i fight for my daughter and i fight for my lover but they're not my only family. You, every one of you, you are my family too. And, uh, Uncle Blood and the, the daughter Lona are sitting, sitting in the crowd and Uncle Blood's crying and Lona's like, what's wrong, Uncle Blood? Are you okay? And she's like, your mother, she's just, she's the best that there is. Cause he like touched him so much too. And, uh. And the crowd goes nuts with it too. Like it's, it's awesome. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, obviously. But, uh. And then the challenger comes out, um, a Canadian wrestler with a crazy mask, green grass called Cobra Sun, and he comes out and he's like, cut the music. He's like, good, boo me all you like. He's the classic heel. And he's like, so sweet it makes me sick. She's forgotten what it means to be a pro wrestler. And it's about this. It's about the belt. And I'm coming for it tonight. And then the bell rings, and they start fighting. And uh it goes back and forth and back and forth. But all of a sudden, Cobra Sun gives her a pretty solid punch to the stomach um, and grabs her. And, uh, flings her out of the, out of the ring into the crowd. And then he jumps off the top rope and flips, does like a crazy backflip and like, like slams onto, back on top of her in the crowd still, which is pretty crazy. 
I was straight up Lucha crazy, man. And, uh, and the announcer's like, oh my god, it's so, uh, Cobra Sun has dragged you back into the ring. And he, like, yeah, he, th- he, th- he pulls her back out of the crowd and throws her in there. And, uh, he's like, you are on your feet. And, like, Cobra Sun's going for his finishing move, the setting sun. And he's going to the top rope. The, the top rope setting sun. And then his, the daughter's like, oh no. And, uh, Uncle Blood's like, oh, it's okay. It's gonna be. And then, um, Cobra Sun slips and falls wrong and drops her. And she lands wrong, and all of a sudden, it was like the crowd goes quiet, and like uh, ref landing for U.S. Steel Rose as the ref checks on her. I and uh, you know, Cobra Sun is um, it's like I, I didn't mean to, and he's like, get back, get back, and they go up there, and the you know they they call the paramedics up, and the daughter runs up there, and like wake up, mom, wake up, mom, and they're like, little girl, you gotta look out, you gotta look out, you gotta look out, and they put her on the board, and they um they take her away, and then it flashes back to that television. Um, and it's a crazy guy with crazy, like, uh, Macho Man Randy Savage sun- sunglasses and crazy teeth and, uh, upside down cross earrings. Um, as, uh, as the announcer says, this doesn't look good. Accidents happen in, in the ring, folks. It's an awful truth, but a real one. And that the crazy guy is like smiling, the guy that's like w- w- watching the TV on the shelf with all the occulty things. And, uh, then he goes to the hospital and their Uncle Blood and the little girl are sitting there waiting. And then it flashes back to when, um, Lona and her, like, her mom are, are laying in bed together, and, like, you can see her room says tons of, uh, U.S. Steel Rose all over, all over the walls, posters and figures and all sorts of stuff. It's like, Mom, where, where do you go, go after our life? And I'm like, you mean dying? She's like, yeah, I guess so. I said, well, I don't really know. Somewhere far away, somewhere light or warm, maybe. It's all a big mystery, but don't worry. I'm not going anywhere for a long time yet. And then it flashes back to the hospital, and the dad walks out, and he shakes his head, and he's bawling. He's like, she's gone, baby. And, uh, then it flashes to 10 years later and you see somebody's like first, first scene is somebody's getting socked in the face really, really hard. And, uh, the announcer is like another brutal strike to Lona Steel Rose. She's taking a beating tonight. And, uh, some big bulky, like blonde haired woman just like just going to town on her. And obviously it's, uh, it's Lona Steel Rose is the daughter. Right. And, uh, her grown up. And, um, it goes back and forth, but. Lona's still kind of getting her butt kicked, and finally the, the um the other girl, the other lady, like just body slams her crazy and pins her, and uh matches over, and afterwards uh Uncle Bud c- comes up and hands her a check and says, "Here's your payment, Lona. Thanks for coming." It's like, well, well, I was thinking maybe I could come back again next weekend or try hand it a few a few other wrestlers on the roster. He's like, I don't think so, kiddo. He's like, what is it? Can you just tell me? I can handle it. It's like, well, you don't have a, you're really raw, you're really green, you don't have, you know, you haven't really done this professionally. He's like, well, I've been training since I was 11. He's like, yeah, but I'm not talking about taking bumps in from backyard on a piece of plywood. I'm talking about the real deal. And I know I've been looking for, uh, I know you've been looking for a, a trainer, but you're, you're, you're still Rose's daughter. Nobody wants to touch you. And she's like, but your family, why won't you train me? He's like, I wish I could help, but. I do, I do, but the way things go, and Lona says, so my mom dying in the ring means I can't wrestle and you won't even help me? He's like, it's not just that, Lona. I made a promise a long time ago. And she's like, what kind of promise? And then flashes to Lona walking down the street, like well, probably walking home or something. It's, it's nighttime and somebody yells from behind and it's her dad. And uh, she's like, dad, I told you you don't come to my matches. And he's like, look, I'm sorry, um, but you won't pick up your phone. It's like, and what? Like, well, I just I thought we could talk for a minute. And he's like, we've talked enough. 
and he says, like, Lona, come on. It's time to give it up. You've been trying to get a trainer for years. He's like, because you kept Uncle Blood from taking me on. He's like, he told you. I'm just like, how could you? You know it's my dream. And then they just fight back and forth for a minute. And basically he's like, I don't, I don't want to lose you too. And she, and he says, but if you keep going, you're going to end up like her too. And she's like, we're done. Pushes him away and walks away. And then somebody yells, yells her name. And she's like, what? And turns around and it's that crazy guy. What we saw. And it's like this guy, super like, um, cyberpunky looking guy, like spikes all over his head, macho man, Randy, savage sunglasses. Like the ones with like the plastic lines. Yeah, yeah. And a crazy like fishnet type tank top thing and pyramid belt. He's pretty tre- crazy looking. Trench coat. Like, he very, looks awesome. Very cyberpunk. And I was like, hey, I didn't mean to frighten you. And she's like, who are you? Do you work for the promotion? And he's like, not exactly. And she's like, uh-huh. Look, I'm busy, okay? I'll, I'll, I'll see you at the show or something. He's like, I've been watching you for a long time. And, and she's like, hey, cause he like, he flashed, he was, he was behind her. Now he's in front of her. He's like, I don't know what kind of sleazy juke you are, but I want, I don't, or, but I want no part of whatever. And he's like, maybe it'd be easy if I just showed you and grabs her arm. And like, um, next thing you know that they're in, not in the city anymore. And it's this crazy, like hell looking place, like um, glowing fissures, cracks in the ground, like a gigantic staircase and, um, murderous thunder, like clouds, dark clouds. And he's like, uh, and she's like, what? And he's like, my name is Willard Necroton. Welcome to the Baron Bastion, my castle and home. And there's like a big, crazy, scary castle on one side, but then like the stairwell leads up to a, um, a wrestling rink and, uh, up on this crazy cliff. And, uh, he's like, I'm a necromancer. I'm running a tournament of sorts, but a belt isn't the only prize. I'd like to talk to you about bringing your mother back to life. And that's where it ends. So there you go. Pretty fantastic book. Um, the art fits with it. Like it, it is a little, it is a little raw, but it like, it fits with what it's doing. Um, I, I give it a four. Like I liked it quite a bit. Um, my, my issue with like, I guess it's not super indie. I mean, image isn't really, I mean, it is, but it isn't indie. But like every time I, I read, like I start on an indie run like this and then I get it kind of excited about it, then it fizzles out, fizzles out. So I just, but because I don't know where it's going to, I'd like it to succeed. And, but yeah. To four, you said four and a half? I give it a four. Four. Well, I follow suit. I give it a, I give it a four and a half. Like, I like Daniel Warren Johnson a lot. I mean, he's done a couple other books that are really cool. Uh, I assume this guy's going to be, why not be in a miniseries? I mean, I didn't say that in the initial write ups, but because of the way Murder Falcon was and a couple of other books he's worked on, I would say that it'd be like that. And you're right. I mean, art style, it's, it's pretty raw, but it's very, it's wild. And because of the kind of story it is, it fits the story really good. And like, every, all the imagery looks really cool. Like, the wrestlers look really cool. The Luchador stuff looks cool. So the, the idea of, you know, und, undead wrestlers, fantastic. Um, yeah, I give it four and a half. I liked it a lot. I love the cover. Even that B cover, which was like a fist being wrapped, looks really cool. So like, yeah, I'm pretty pretty stoked now. I like it a lot actually. But yeah, it's it's just fun kind of chaos and you know, if you're if you're a kid that ever liked the wrestling ever or a luchador ever, then this book's right up your alley. Uh, Mr. Brown, what'd you think of the uh power bomb? I'm I'm with you guys. I really like the concept. Um I'm not a huge wrestling guy. My 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 real problem is with art. 
Um, I understand it's wild, and Josh is right. It kind of fits the motif and, and kind of what's going on in, in, in the book. I'm just not a fan of it. I'm going to give it a three. Um, if it was, if it was a little cleaner, um, I, I'd probably would be right with you guys four, four and a half, somewhere in there. Um, but again, the concept is great. And the guy who looks like a cyberpunk dude who takes her to a, another realm is really, really cool. I did not see that coming. Um, it's really brutal. Like when her mother dies, it is. Oh yeah, it's pretty hardcore. Man, you're like, dang, that, yeah. it, it looks bad. So yeah, uh, three. Sweet. Uh, we'll move on for that to the, uh, Black Adam. Alright, so Black Adam, issue number one, DC Comics. Story is by Priest. Uh, Rafa Sandoval does the art, and we have Matt Herms doing the color. So we start out, um, with what seems to be some kind of political building, um, and you hear, uh, flagged by OFAC as well as the possible violation of America, blah, blah, executive order, so on and so forth. And it's essentially this congressman or, or, or some government official, um, speaking, and we go inside and we see a, it's some kind of hearing, and we see, um, a, again, a group of political people talking to one man, kind of don't see who he is until, you know, a couple frames later. And they start kind of yelling at him. They're like, Mr. Adam, Mr. Adam, Mr. Adam. And he's been asleep. <laughs> and he wakes up, and we see him, and he's got this thing wrapped around his hand. He says, Lord Adam. They say, what? He says, Lord Theo Ramsey's uh, Dodger Teth Adam. But Lord Theo will do. President Adam? Adam is not president. Kondok is not a republic. Are we boring you? He says, in every conceivable way. You are. This hilarious. And they say, long night, and he says, yeah, I was busy. From there, we cut to Lord Adam's night. Um, this is my first time having Black Adam having another entity that is um, like Shazam. I've only known Black Adam to be Black Adam. Um, in this, he has some uh, an avatar who he's, he's calling Lord Adam, so... Um, from there we see our, you know, Black Adam as we know him, um, coming out from this ice. Um, he's in some kind of fist fight and he's talking to someone we can't quite tell. Um, he says, I've wanted to, I've wanted to admire you, uh, to learn your ways, uh, evolve to your theology. Yes, Dark Lord, even, even an immortal can grow. Allow me to demonstrate. And he starts beating the heck out of this guy. And we see these lasers coming out of somebody's eyes. And again, you know, just kind of no big deal. We don't know who it is. Um, but we all know that it's dark side. Right. They're omega beams. They are sure. omega beams. For, for sure. For sure. <laughs> um, and dark side is talking to him saying, become my vessel, become, you know, bend the knee. That's the only way you'll be as powerful. Me. And black Adam says, I cannot do that. And so pride goes before the fall. Dark side says, Yes, most likely. Just as by myself, uh, and he goes into basically his pedigree over and over and over again and how awesome he is and king of conduct and so on and so forth. Um, you dark lord are the anti-life. He says, no, not true. Ancient avatar, I am so much more. I am the tiger force and the core of all things. Foolish wizard, I am a revelation. He says, so it would seem, and we get this great just two-shot page, um, two-full two full page of him just smacking the ever-living bejesus out of uh, Darkseid, and it's awesome. I mean, lightning all the way through him, it's crazy. It's so cool. 
and there's all this ice around them, and it, it's it's really great. Um, and he, he from there you can see Darkseid's kind of deteriorating, and then it, we've changed from Black Adam to Lord Adam. He says, "I agree, Lord," and yet here we stand. And then he screams Shazam again and punches uh, Darkseid, and again just putting a beating on him. Oh yeah! So that lightning through the body was because he did the same thing when right. Batson did when he's like when he calls the power Shazam, yeah. transforms to transform back and use the power again. But yeah, that's the whole glimpse between the two personalities. It looks so cool. It's great. Yeah, the art, the art's fantastic. Um, from there, we see Darkseid fall and we see Desaad, and he's saying, "Be gone, be gone! I command you. You have killed my master." And we see Black Adam grabbing onto Desaad, and he says, "Desaad, face me." Uh, I have lived thousands of years. I am the morning star of Ramses II, vigor of the heroes, lion of Priscillium, thunder of Adam, uh, scion of the new kingdom, and that is not Darkseid. Darkseid would never fall so easily, which makes this one of your devilish illusions. Now tell me or die, where does your craven master hide? From there, we're back into the... Uh, the uh, courtroom or again whatever and we have lord adam here he's got his hand wrapped um right. which, which will come into play later um which w- uh, we assume he got from from the battle with dark side he says yes senator at a long night well i trust you will muddle through our little committee hearing he says 25 billion he says excuse me the fdi reached 25.8 billion they go on to talk about how conduct you know is a force in an, in, the, in in the economy um and continue on from there. He says, uh, uh, what America will never understand about Sinai is there is no they. We are they and they are us. And he gets up and starts to walk out. He says, we're not done. He says, can't stop me before your next breath. I could kill every person in this room. And someone kind of from the side and says, guess that's why John's here. And they go, John. And he says, sir, that is not the end of the hearing. We are almost done. And from there behind, we see John. John Jones. We see the Martian Manhunter show up and kind of change form. Um, Lord Adam doesn't care. He just continues to walk out. And he's like, you guys are embarrassing, um, dragging me down here like this. From there, he walks to his vehicle. You know, he's got a butler. He locks to his limousine. He's being um, in the rain, and he's being taken somewhere. Across town, we have the fixer. Um, and we've got a body here. Um, guy comes by and says, State Department. One of the police officers says, black male, uh, hollow point to the melon. Guy's not black, he's Middle Eastern, says the fixer. They go on to talk about this guy and who he is, and um, essentially they find out that he is uh, uh, the head of the department of Egyptian Kandak tribe, and he was in town for some sort of hearing. He's also running politically against Black Adam. Correct. Back home. Correct, in, in Kandak. Um, from there, we have a conversation with Lord Adam talking to his fixer. I don't know if they actually mentioned his name. I don't remember if they do or not. Yeah, but I, I don't know if it matters. No. Um, but essentially, they're, they're talking about um, what's going on. His name is Shakur Nassar, uh, the, the gentleman who was um, found dead. Um, from there, the fixer is you know trying to figure out what the next move is and says, um, leader of the reform movement, then there's the rumors about his wife. Lord Adam says it's not true because it doesn't have to be Theo. Uh, you've got to call her. He says, yeah, yeah. Shep, that's his name. There we go, Shep. Oh, the fixer uh, Shep? Okay. Yeah. 
Uh, what was Nabar doing here in Washington? He says, I pulled the history from the rental car and GPS headed there now, Theo. Figure maybe an hour or two before the tweet hits the fan. I thought that was pretty clever. And <laughs> he says, call her before this becomes a thing. From there, we're at the Newsboy, which is uh, um, across town, Washington, D.C. We got a, a young kid here. Um, he says, so Mr. Mr. Name Withheld, I got some bad news and some worse news, starting with you wrecked your car, 80000 down the toilet. Next, you, you're going to jail. Blew a two, .28. Uh, surprising you can even see. And worst of all, I'm your doctor, this young African-American kid. And uh, it, what we find out essentially is this guy is a... Oh, he's definitely a racist bigot. Racist bigot. So, so bad. Yeah, so bad. And this kid is his doctor. It's, it's a white supremacist. He's got like, tattoos I just saw, all over I, him. Nice Nazi tattoos. I just saw this. Oh, I saw, oh, I didn't see that. You're right. He's got the, he's got the, the eagle crest or whatever. From there, we have the fixer who, um, Shep, who's calling Theo and says, Hey, I found the guy that Nassar came to see. Um, not that it makes any sense. And we, we have our, uh, young, black doctor here and he's essentially not helping him uh our our uh, bigot nazi guy very very much um from there we have um theo um uh, um uh, lord what do you say lord adam lord adam, lord adam um walking in and uh, he says i am theo adam lord of conduct and the young man doctor says i'm michael jackson king of pop need to wait outside he says you don't understand i'm immortal then you should mind waiting. King Tut, Prince, Scooby-Doo, everybody wants their turn. He says, I see. Is it my turn now? And he grabs onto the uh, racist guy's neck who's laying in the gurney. He says, oh, please, think that you can get uh, rhythm from from me? Sheesh. Choke out Mr. Supremacist. I'm about to open Gundam style up in this piece. Let me see it. This kid is just so full of... Pop culture references. It's, oh, it's it, hilarious. It's man. great. He's like, choke him out. I'm going to do a dance number. Yeah, absolutely. Hilarious. He, it's so good. Um, and the young doctor's like, dude, your hand. I need to see that. It's a bad burn. I can smell it. He says, uh, why did Shakur Nassar come to see you? He says, who? Leader of the reform movement in my country, last seen alive in your home. He's been assassinated. Yo, cousin, I didn't assassinate nobody today. I've been here at the hospital. I live here now. Let me treat that arm before it goes bad. And he and uh, Lord Adam says that won't be necessary. However, if I find you out, find out that you're lying, that you met with Nasir, and the young doctor says, "I get it, I get it." And he rings a bell. Looks like some kind of panic button, and uh, our Lord Adam kind of steps out, and uh, the bell was for security, and security comes up. And uh, they arrest the young doctor instead because Black Adams kind of convinced them that uh, this is this is what's happened. He steps outside and sees Shep, and Shep's like, anything? He says, nope. And if the kid's lying, he's really good at it. And uh, Shep says, Theo, your arm. He says, a fight, it's nothing. He says, it's not nothing. It stinks, Theo. Not just a burn. It's dying. Some kind of necrosis. Easily fixed. And he says, Shazam! And changes into Black Adam. And again, we get an awesome panel. Um, could get a really, really good detail on his arm, and it's going up his shoulder and into his neck. Um, and we have our traditional Black Adam kind of standing there. From there, we go back into the hospital, um, and Shep says, White, I need Dr. White. And one of the nurses says, Whoa, whoa, easy, sir. Who? He says, I need Dr. White. It's an emergency. Sir, sir, 
there is no Dr. White at this hospital. Then who? Oh, okay, let's see here. And we have Dr. White, our, our young doctor, who's being interrogated by uh, the police talking about um, the leader of the reform, you know, being missing. Um, from there, they put him in prison, and he's like, I was framed, I tell you, framed. From there, he he's not arrested. He was just detained because they don't have anything on him. Right. And uh, I can't tell if this is his girlfriend. I think he's just supposed to be a friend. Okay. Because, like, the way they talk is, like, that could be a thing, but it's right. not. So he gets one of his friends to, you know, come and pick him up. She comes and picks him up, and, you know, he kind of says, oh, I figured I'd be safer if my girl came and get me. He says, then She says, then you better find one. Um, her name is Jasmine. Um, they're kind of walking along and, you know, having their banter. And, and she, he said, she says, you're my best friend. Let's not trade that for whatever the heck this is. And he says, yes, ma'am. From there, a van comes up <laughs> while she's walking away and grabs some guy, runs out of the van and grabs him. Uh, and while she's walking away and has no idea he's gone, she's just talking to herself. She's like, it's probably just a fluke. Conduct has nothing to do with you, so on and so forth. He gets into the van, and there's all kinds of electricity going on in this van. Um, he's like, hey, hold it. And they say, welcome. Welcome to where? And from there, we move around. To the, obviously, this van was some kind of, of teleportation device. Uh, he says, why to conduct? Of course, master. And we have a couple guys standing around our young Dr. White here. And he says, ha, huh, I believe the word I'm searching for is she, which is a pop culture reference. Anyways, uh, we know Nasir was looking for you. Uh, Nasir wanted a revolution here in conduct, wanted you to help take the lead. He says, but this has nothing to do with me. And from out of the side panel that we see, it does now. And we see Black Adam there, and he's starting to become super um, engrossed in this necrosis, and he says, I'm dying, and you, Malik Adam, are my descendant. Thus, the power of Black Adam I bequeath to you. And that's where it ends. Crazy. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give this book a four. I really enjoyed it. The art is fantastic. Anytime I get to see... Dark side, I get super excited. Um, even if it's a fake dark side, Desaad looks great. Um, the concept is good. It's, it is a little wordy, um, for, for sure, but I, I will, I will give it a four. The, the banter back and forth is really, really well written. I didn't go through all of it because I don't think I could do it justice, but it, it is fantastic. I'm going to give it a four. 45? What do you know about the Black Adam? I'd go with a four as well. Um, I didn't think it was wordy. I liked the, I liked the, the chat. I just meant wordy to 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 go through word by word, explain on the podcast. Oh, it? yeah. <clears throat> um, I don't know enough about Black Adam. I didn't know that he had an alter ego. I don't, I don't know that. We like, talked we talked a minute while you left. Uh, I yeah, this was my first time having another having him have a a a, a vessel or a avatar of some sort. Yeah. yeah, but I did enjoy it. Um. Also, I mean, I don't know. I don't know enough about what's going on in the Marvel or the DC universe to. Know what's going on with uh, Dark Side, and if that really was Dark Side, and if it wasn't, like who was it, and like what's going on with that? I don't, I, I don't know. So I think that's all mysteries for this particular book, because like as far as stories are concerned, the most recent thing that happened in the Justice League books is dealing with Pariah, which has nothing to do with Dark Side. Right. Yeah. So like this book exists separate from what's happening in those things. Like, well, it, it takes place before, is what it says right at the beginning. So but as far as the thing, it's not connected to Dark Crisis. It's separate and what's happening. And as far as, like, the books are concerned, like, New 52, when that was happening, everything lined up and was 
timeline-wise in sequence with each other, except for a couple key books that were happening in different time frames, like Justice League was 10 years in the past, and Superman was supposed to be 15 years in the past, so or not Superman, Action Comics was. But everything else lined up in a platform where everything was happening at the same time. Where we're at in Rebirth, that's not necessarily the truth anymore, and as far as books are concerned, it, like things happen out of sequence from each other, which like this one telling you at the beginning about it being before Dark Crisis. So like storyline-wise, we know in Dark Crisis that Black Adam winds up surviving and getting away from Pariah, but this particular story, where it's nestled at, doesn't connect to that story at all. So the Dark Side thing, I don't remember it coming from anywhere else, so I'm going to say it's just in this book, but I could be wrong about that, because I'm not current in Justice League. So, I mean, maybe they dealt with him again, but as far as, like, Dark Side and Dasad, they're, I mean, they're constant problems. Dasad definitely is. So, like, it's not that out of sequence, but it's, I, I don't have a place where it fits other than that. And uh, I did see, like, some preview stuff of that kid and, like, something about him potentially becoming White Adam. Yeah, I think that's what this book's going to lead to, but I don't. I remember a batch of ads that had something about that, but I didn't really read the ads. But, yeah, I don't know. I liked it. It was a good book. The well, best I can tell you, I think this is the first appearance of that kid. I don't think namesake-wise he's been in anything else. I mean, I could be wrong about that because I didn't bother to research him. But I don't remember him from anything. And, like, the way they write him is pretty funny. I mean, it's like you say, he's pop culture heavy. And, like, the way he delivers dialogue is is designed to be, like, modern funny. He's super quick. Yeah. yeah. Su- super clever. Did you give it a score? Oh, I haven't yet. Oh, okay. Um, you know, I give it three and a half. Like, I, I like the art a lot. I like the fight. All, this, all the action stuff's great. I like how Black Adam is so, like, just nonchalant about everything with everyone around him. Because that's what is what he is. Um, so I think that stuff's all cool. This whole dying thing, I think, is weird. But, I mean, as a thing, that's what the story's supposed to be about. So it's weird on purpose. Um, at the end of the book, we have a two-page um, tribute to George Perez. And it, 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 it brings back a lot of memories. It's really, really beautiful and done so tastefully and so well. Um, and I, I, loved, I loved it. I thought it was so cool. Well, yeah, this is the uh, the art jam piece that was designed um, for his birthday, yeah. of course, prior to him passing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's got all the different characters by the different artists and George himself on the page with the you know, easel next to him for having drawn all these characters. But you've got art from Tom McFarlane in there. You've got art from Jim Lee in there. It's yeah. it's really cool. It's beautiful. I loved it. Yeah, I, that's my book of the night for sure. Right on. We'll see. Well, after all the books, uh, we have the interview from the uh, WonderCon 2022. This is uh, with Sean Cheeks Galloway, which if you're not aware of him, you really should Google him because he's fantastic. Uh, so we'll go ahead and run that, and uh, we'll be back with you in just a second. Hey, it's Steve at Top 5 Comics Podcast here at WonderCon 2022, and I'm joined by... I am Sean Galloway, or Sean Cheeks Galloway, whatever you feel comfortable to call me. Right, right, and, and Cheeks, we've seen we've seen your art for quite a while, my friend. How did you get started doing this? What made you want to be like a comic artist? Well, let's see. I, I started drawing in about fifth grade, uh, and the kids in my class during fifth grade were getting a lot of attention from the girls. So that's what kind of got me started. I wanted the attention from the girls, uh, and then I started enjoying the drawing, you know. So that I just kept at it had um, people along the way encouraging me to keep at it. They saw my progression. And then um, 
I always loved comics, so that's that was the goal. And once I got into comics, after my first gig, I was like, whoa, this is hard work. <laughs> so luckily, I was already kind of stripping back my style where animation started taking notice. And then um, during animation, I started stripping back more and learning volumes. And I started getting more opportunities with toys and game companies. So now most of my career is uh, designing video games. Heck yeah, man. Well, as far as like style, like so, just are you mostly self-taught? Did you go to school? Like, how did you get where? You, like, how did you progress your style? All right. Well, most of my career, I, or most of the time, I, I was self-taught, right? But then I got into community college uh, after uh, after the Navy. I had my GI Bill, and I was trying to um, trying to see if I can get through to an art school or something with the GI Bill. But I didn't have enough of the GI Bill to get that far. So what I did was I focused on taking a life drawing class because at that point I only really knew how to draw from the hips on up and I knew if I wanted to get into comics or draw for a living I needed to draw the whole body so I took life drawing class and um, the teacher was so great she would tell me you know show me the techniques to what to look out for you know some of the cheats on looking at the body you know where the elbow rests along the body or how long you know the legs are in comparison to the body so when she taught me those kind of tricks, it really opened my eyes. And then uh, from there, my GI Bill ran out. And then I would sit in borders for hours looking at uh, comics or art tutorial books. And that's how I learned. That's impressive, sir. It takes a lot to keep yourself doing that. I mean, as far as like uh, style, is there anybody you draw from style-wise? Like is someone you look at and you're like, that's what I like? Oh, boy, yeah. So... Ramos, uh, Francisco Herrera, no, so, so Umberto Ramos, Francisco Herrera, Paco Medina, Adam Hughes, Terry Dodson, Mark Silvestri, Jim Lee, John Byrne, uh, Norma Rockwell. So all those guys during the you know uh, late 80s, early 90s, or even mid 80s, even John Romita Jr., John Romita. So from, I would say from 60s to the late 80s, is where I really was focused on trying to, you know, trying to trying to find inspiration from, like old school cartoons, the Hanna Barbera, for learning how to strip back my style, even Rob Haynes on learning uh, learning uh, line economy. So just mashing all those together, I was hoping to land somewhere, you know, uh, with my own style. So what I would do is I would look through the books. I would look. I knew what I liked from each one. You know, of the artists, I'll close the book. I would draw and try to remember what I liked about their stuff, and that's where my style started formulating. Awesome. Man, that's awesome. Well, it's far. You got a great style, man. I love you. I love your stuff. It's great. Um, man. So, if you want to buy your stuff, where can we buy your stuff? Well, I do have an online store, uh, tabletaffy.bigcartel.com, uh, and you can follow me on Sean Galloway Art uh, on Instagram. So, cheeks. What is cheeks about? Cheeks, cheeks. Uh, <laughs> well, I want to try to keep this clean as possible. So, uh, my friends and I used to have a saying. You know, if you saw something really tight, like, dude, that car is tight. Man, that guy's art or that girl's art is tight. We'd be like, how tight is tight? Tight like a pair of butt cheeks. <laughs> so, you know, my friends and I were hanging out, and there was two Shans in the room. They kept saying Sean. We kept looking. They're like, you know what? Forget that. We're going to call you Cheeks. <laughs> and there you go. It's stuck. <laughs> oh, man. I never felt like I was part of a community until then. So that was great. 
whatever makes us stand out is great, right? Yeah, man. So, what is your go-to karaoke song? Go-to karaoke song. Whew, I believe I can fly, but I really can't say that these days. You know, um... Ooh, oh, Boys to Men, uh, I'll Make I'll make Love to You. Yeah, and End of the Road. Fuji's, uh, what is the song by Fuji's? Um, it was a remake they did. Oh, man. I can't remember right now either, but yeah, that was my go-to stuff, yeah. Nice. Uh-huh. So if you got stranded on a deserted island, and you only take five items with you, what five items would you take? Probably my wife. I won't say probably. Yes, my wife, my kids, so that's three. My Plex server, so I can have access to all my stuff. And maybe, uh, but then I'd have to have a computer that's working nonstop. So access to some kind of computer that will play my Plex stuff while we're there stranded. <laughs> it only makes sense to be able to play it if you have it with you. That's right. Good shout out for Plex. Fantastic. That's right, man. All right. If you lived in Fantasyland, would you ride a chocolate pony? Would I ride a what? Chocolate pony. Probably not. It'd be melty, right? It'd be melted. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want sticky, uh, <laughs> sticky chocolate all over my legs and my and my cheeks. <laughs> well, Sean, thanks for taking time to talk with me. I appreciate it. Nice talking to you too. Thank you. All right, CBS. <laughs> I just want to thank uh, Cheeks again for taking time to talk with me out there at WonderCon. Uh, again, like I said, he's a fantastic dude. Check out his website. Um, Art-wise, I mean, he's done lots of different things, and it's really cool. Like, just his his avenue in the world is really great. I mean, the dude's super fun, so he's, he was an awesome guy to talk to. I appreciate it a lot. Um, see, well, from there, we got a lesson of the day. Tyler Brown, what'd you learn today? Um, I learned, oh, that they put the new, uh, uh, symbol for Punisher. I hadn't, I, I had seen, I read the news article, but I hadn't actually seen it in the comic. Oh, gotcha, yeah, yeah. Oh, and I learned that Black Adam has a alter, or avatar. Yeah, yeah. That's my first one. So. 45, what'd you learn today? Well, since T. Brown only was supposed to do one, but he I did always two. Do that. I'm yeah. sorry. So then he took mine. I'm so sorry. the only thing that I learned today is that you're an island boy. It's not really a thing, though. Well, I sorry. learned that. I always do that. If you, yeah, I guess. That's what you get. What yeah. did I learn today, Tyler Brown? Man, I don't think you learned anything today, to be honest. He it's doesn't usually. It's probably true. You knew you knew a lot today. Uh, oh, you learned that I was uh, born in February of 1986, which hey. was the the uh, Dark Knight Returns, uh, Returns number, one. number one. There you go. That's true. That's something I didn't know before. Bada bing. Hey. Uh, let's see. So after lessons of the day, is there any action figure news? Forty-five. Um, they did the San Diego Comic Con announcements today. So there's like some Star Wars Black series, like uh, undercover Boba Fett. It's like a pure black Boba Fett, which is kind of cool. Um, some people hate it. Some people, I I don't know. It it's, looks cool. It's a pure. It's a it's a Boba Fett that just painted pure black, but it's from a, the comic. So it's like when he's undercover, I guess. I don't. In that universe, Boba Fett is so, when you're wearing a Mandalorian helmet, I don't know how, like, just painting yourself black makes you undercover, but whatever. Um, it looks neat. And then, uh, Dr. Mindbender for G.I. Joe is going to be a San Diego Comic-Con exclusive. I think there's, a, like, a red Lionel that's going to be for Thundercats, but, yeah, pretty much that's it. Well, they funded that at his tank thing over on HasLab. 
Oh yeah, Haslab got the first GI Joe Haslab got funded. It's a uh, his tank and uh, it unlocked. It was like the fastest to get funded of, of any Haslab ever. I think is what they said. And then it also all four tiers are already unlocked and it still has like thirty days to go. So, um, which is awesome. So you basically get a tank for the six inch figures that lights up. Has all sorts of LED figures. lights, and you get you get the regular his tank driver. You get a concept colored um, his tank driver from the original um, character designer. Um, you get a female his tank driver, and then you get uh, the vintage Mickey Mouse Cobra Commander, which is awesome. So there's a lot of stuff. Uh, and being that it can still be back for another, like, what, 30 days or something? So for two ninety nine ninety nine, that's pretty, I mean, four figures in a ve- in a large, large vehicle is pretty decent, because... Right. Well, cost-wise comparison to what the, the thing actually has in it, now it's definitely worth it. So that's pretty cool. Uh, well, after that, uh, you got any books to watch, guys? I don't have a book to watch, but I have a video game to watch. Okay, what's that? So I'm right now playing through Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, which is on Game Pass if you haven't played it. It is fantastic. Um, kind of a little different than the film. Um, not so much comic book based, but it, it, the story in it is fantastic. Like I said, you can get it for free on Game Pass. I think it's like 20 bucks at the store, but the story is great. Please go check it out. Voice acting is incredible. Um, beautiful game and really, really well done. Cool. Uh, well, I got a couple of books, uh, that I'm, that I'm, I'm stoked for actually, as far as like things. I guess it's not, actually, it's not the right way to say that, but so there's a book coming out from Dark Horse Comics. It's called, uh, Shock Shop. And Shock Shop is a four part miniseries. It's a horror anthology that takes place in a comic book shop. So, uh, the backdrop, so think like the Crypt Keeper, except. That sounds right up your alley. It does, sir. 100%. <laughs> like the, the main character design is this lady in a top hat. It's awesome. Nice. Um, so it's being written by Colin Bunn, uh, who's great. Uh, the art on it is being done by, uh, Danny Locker, Bot Lockerette, who's also great. So both those things are really cool. Um, I'm pretty stoked for it. They're doing it. This part's a little weird, because they're doing double covers on opposite sides of the book. So, both books, so there's only two, there's two versions of the book that are normal. Now, I swear at some point there'll probably be store exclusives or something, because if there wasn't, it'd be weird. But your A and your B cover are the front and back sides of the one version of the book, and the C and the D cover are the front and the back of the other book. I don't like that. It's weird. Yeah. It's kind of cool, but it's bizarre. Hmm. So, like, that part's weird. It's four-part miniseries, and, like, Colin Bunn, the dude's great. I mean, all his Star Wars stuff is fantastic, and... Other than that little bit of Aquaman he did when he was under contract, which was just weird, pretty much everything else he does is great. So I'm pretty stoked for that. And I, like I said, I like the design of the character. And it's being it's a anthology series of, of horror stories, it'll just be short horror stories. So that's that should be fun. Um, so if you dig that stuff at all, I'd say definitely check it out. Um, so I'm pretty stoked for that. Uh, there's another one coming out from Image. It's called Vanish. And Vanish, so the movie you were talking about, this and that movie... Earlier, Josh, with uh, Stallone, the concept is similar. It's not what I was thinking of, but it's similar. Uh, Savannah is basically about a superhero who, before he's even hit puberty, takes out the biggest threat in his whole world, and after that, grows up to be an adult. But as an adult, there's not been a lot for him to do, because all the bad's gone. And now he has nightmares all the time, and he's uh, constantly, like... (laughs) out of control, really, so this is the case. Like, he smokes a lot, he smells like a chimney, 
Um, like he's, uh, he's, he's paranoid all the time and he's mentally unstable. And the thing is that these nightmares he keeps having, they might not all be nightmares. So like how the world unfolds around him after the supposed big bad is taken care of and how his life is shaped after using all these powers as a kid is what the book's about. It's, uh, it's being done by a, a pretty all-star cast, actually. Like Donna Cates is writing it, and that dude's been pure gold now for the last couple of years. Um, and the uh, artists on it, we have a couple of them, but uh, the one that most people will know is Ryan Stegman, and he's also fantastic. Did uh, the Scarlet Spider series when it was happening um, back in like 2000, I think 2015, 14, something like that. Done a ton of other covers. Um, He's a name that you know if you've seen any of the stuff from Venom or, or Carnage in the last couple of years. Uh, so he's good. And then we have J.P. Meyer on it, and we have uh, Sonia Obach. So we've got multiple artists, so I'm not exactly sure how that fits into the book that way, but all those names are like popular good names. I mean, like I said, Stegman's probably the, the, the top one people should know, but as far as writers are concerned, Donny Cates has just been turning out everything pure gold. I mean, I'll give you King and Black ends a little flat for me, the Venom story, mm-hmm. but... It's still super popular and people love it a lot. So, anyhow, I say both those. Uh, Vanishing's in the current, actually, both those are in the current previews catalog. So, I mean, you can check it out on the previews website or if you just Google it, I'm sure you'll find what I'm talking about. Vanishing is from Image and uh, Shock Shop is from Dark Horse. So, I say both those are really cool. The Gambit miniseries is getting ready to start too, which I, I think that'll be really neat. So, from old Marvel. Um, but yeah, so that's what I got for you. I'll say, uh, you know, go check them out. Batman One More Day, which I know I brought up in the news, but again, oh, yeah, I, that yeah. is definitely a book to watch. I'd say so, too. Super excited for it. So, Yeah, also, another group of superstar artists mm-hmm. and writers so across the whole board for that book. Absolutely. Uh, we got anything else over there, 45? Nope. Mr. Brown? I'm all out of news, sir. All right, so that's a tiki? Tiki! Tiki. Tiki.